normally do. But I am going to title tonight, I Am the Revival. I Am the Revival. I happened upon a letter in a book I was reading some time ago, and this was a leader in a Masonic lodge. And this letter was written from this leader to his fellow members. Now, I'll be the first one to say that I don't have a great deal of knowledge about the Masonic Lodge outside of what I have read, but what I have read, uh, I'm not sure I want to understand them too much. Uh, but I will say this, that with the content of this letter, that I sympathize with what this man is trying to say. I truly sympathize with him. He said this, We as Masons are the heart of Masonry. And we are the ones that can keep it going. We are the revival. We have a responsibility to move masonry through this time of revival. We first have to find that desire we had when we first became a mason. Listening to me? We were on fire and proud to work in our community. And our jurisdiction, we, or in our jurisdiction, we shine wherever we went. When you were asked whence came you, you would answer that question with all the charitable works that you had engaged since the last meeting. It was what our great grandmaster Prince Hall desires of us. It was through his pain and suffering that we can meet as Mason and enjoy the fellowship we have today. Now I want to go back to the first sentence that was said in this letter where this Mason said to his fellow Masons, We are the revival. He described taking ownership of the welfare of the organization. I know you've heard it preached, but I hope somehow tonight that it's not just going to be preached and just fall on some ears, get into some heads. I want it to get through the head into the heart tonight. I want it to get right to the heart of each and every one of you. We have to take ownership of what we are, not just me. This is not rick robertson's church this is not just a upc church on the hill on highway 46 this is an organism that was purchased 2,000 years ago, and the name of the one that purchased it is still on the church today. This is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is His. It belongs to Him. It doesn't belong to the other. And each and every one of us have to take ownership of that. Do you understand? Each and every one of you are important to what God is doing in the time that we're living in right now. He rem it reminds me of a similar statement, the one that I just read to you, uh, that was made by a swiftly growing church in England. And it was said this way, we shouldn't ask God to send a revival. Instead, we need to realize that we are the revival that God has sent. Dave Gilpin in Sheffield, England said that. We are the revival. And that is what I'm preaching on tonight. We are the revival. Acts the 8th chapter, verses 4 and then 5 through 8. 
Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies that were lame and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. I want everybody in this place to say it with me tonight. I am the revival. Let's do it together. I am the revival. You want something to change in your life? Starts right here. You want God to do something in your life? Starts here. You want God to do something in the church? Starts right here. You want God to do miracles in the church? Starts right here. I am the revival. I'll be the first one to say that the word revival is not found in the Scripture. But the word revive is found a number of times. Revival is its noun form. So what is revival? Revival is a visitation of God that awakens the sleeping. Revival is an inrush of the Holy Ghost. Revival is a season of refreshing. Revival is the drenching, showering presence of God. And that's what I want to feel tonight. That drenching power of Jesus Christ. Oh, are you with me this evening? If you feel like that drenching power is here, I want you to run the aisle one time for me. Come on, somebody, get out there and run the aisle one time. God is going to drench us with the Holy Ghost one time. love of Christians, resulting in the awakening and the conversion of sinners to God, according to Charles Finney. The renewing of first love precedes reaching our world. In Lamentations 3, 40-42, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts with our hands unto God in the heavens. Hear me now. We have transgressed and have rebelled, and thou hast not pardoned. This is... The, you listen to me. This is, it's, this is not a, a Sally Sloth. This is not a nerdy Ned. This is not a dirty Dan who needs to be revived. It is you and I that need to be revived. i got to quit pointing at him and say, he needs revival. I need revival. I can't point at him and say, he needs revival. I need revival. Come on. I need to examine myself and say, how, how have I failed God? And how can I get back to where I need to be? Let's just be real honest. How can I get back to where I need to be? I've said this before, and I'm going to say this again. If something's not working in my life, I've got to go back to where I broke something. And then I need to fix it. And then I need to get up and go on. I'm not going to stay and dwell on the place that is broken. There's too many of us that take too long and too often to try to dwell in a place where it's broken. We need to fix the break and go on. 
I was working at the marina. My son will tell you the same thing. He had to fix the underwater trusses, four-foot underwater. And they would always break on a Saturday when there's 252,376 boats going across the front. I used to count them. And you were down there trying to, you know, and then they had to have it fixed right then because it was going to break, the whole thing was going to break off and mess up the boat and had to fix it right then. So you're under the water and a, a wave comes by and this, this, this truss is going, you know, and you're trying to put a bolt in it. And if you get your hand in between when it comes together, you're in trouble. And so you're, you're doing, and I, I used to just dread, I said, I've got to fix this thing or it'll get worse. I've got to fix this thing or it'll get worse. And I had to make myself go do this. But, you know, when I got it fixed, it saved a bigger problem later. And that's what I'm speaking of tonight. Sometimes we just have to look at ourselves and say, I have failed God. I need to get back to Him. I need to fix a few things. And then I'm going to go on from there to the next one. Are you hearing me? That's all we need to do to do what's right. When is revival needed? When we feel the lack of spiritual power, we need revival. When we lose our concern for souls, we need revival. When we find ourselves drifting away from church services, we need revival. When we are lovers of money and pleasure more than lovers of God, we need revival. When we can bicker and sow discord more than worship and rejoice, we need revival. Come on. That's what we need revival. God, what I I got to quit When we find it easier to criticize and condemn than to pray, we need revival. When we don't see the altars filled with hungry people, we need revival. When we don't see the baptistry filled with, unrep- with repentant sinners, we need revival. When our hearts are cold, crowded, and corrupt, we need revival. There's not one church in Owen or Monroe County that doesn't need revival. Not one church. There's not one church in our movement that doesn't need genuine revival. There's not one family in this church that doesn't need revival. There's not one person in this house that doesn't need revival. We should all shout, Revive us, O Lord. Every one of us need to shout it. Revive us, O Lord. Get us back where we once was. Take us back to that place when we first received the Holy Ghost and the only thing important was serving you. The only thing important was doing what you wanted us to do. Where's revival found? Let's first consider the negative. Where's revival not found? Revival's not found where people are stirred but not changed. I don't want to preach to you tonight if you're just going to shout and then not do a thing about it. In fact, I'll just give it to you. Oh. You want it? I know. Huh? Anybody? I don't want to stir you up and you shout and you don't do anything about it. There's no revival there. Revival's not found where people want to be told like it is, but live like it isn't. Tell me how to live and I'll go do what I want to anyway. And it's all the time. Boy, I'd like to say something right now. Don't tell me to say it because I know somebody will know who I'm talking about. 
when people leave the church because someone says something up here they don't like. But yet they go out dressing shorts, tank tops, smoke, chew, wear, don't wear. But someone said something wrong up here. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Salvation is not just in the church. I live it out there. I might say something you don't like up here, but I'll say it out there just the same. Revival is not found where we want the blessing without the obedience. Revival is not found where we want sermons to shout about but nothing to challenge us. Noah did not build an ark preaching. Something good is about to happen. Something good is on the way. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? Sound like a Waylon, don't it? Amos did not fight Israel's high priest because he had preached confession is possession. <laughs> Jeremiah wasn't in the pit for preaching, I'm okay and you're okay. <laughs> Daniel wasn't in the lion's den for saying, possibility thinking moves mountains. <laughs> John the Baptist was not executed for shouting, smile, God loves you. Come on, folks. There's some of that charismatic garbage I just absolutely cannot stomach. Now, I'm sorry. I, I try to be nice. I try not to say anything bad about anything or anybody. But some of that stuff is so fake. Listen to me. When it gets right down into the trenches of warfare, you're going to have to have more than smile. God loves you. You're going to have to have a relationship that's been down in the pits and you fought devils and you know what it's like to hurt, that you're going to stand firm anyway and you're not going to give up because it doesn't feel like he loves you anymore. Praise God. Let me tell you what every one of those men did preach. They preached one common thing. Repent is what they said. Repent. And that's what we need to do. We need to repent and get where God wants us to be. You can climb out of the hole you're in when you live a repentant life. Revival can be found in the midst of repentance. Revival is found in the midst of sacrifice. Revival is found in the midst of challenge. Revival is found in the midst of reaching and winning lost. Revival is found in the midst of tremendous travail. Revival is John Wesley and George Whitfield and others travailing before God. Early in the morning, Wesley would later write... The power of God came mightily upon us, insomuch that many cried for exceeding joy, and many fell to the ground. Wesley and Whitfield would crisscross the globe because of that night, one night revival. One night. Revival is a young Welshman named Evan Roberts who found himself repeatedly awakened to pray from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. Months later, months later, an awakening swept through Wales. And it was known as the Welsh Revival. That's revival. What did it cost? It cost 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. prayer meeting. Revival is a young woman named Flora Evans. 
People had been praying night and day, and she was asked by her pastor to stand and testify. She stood and said with a trembling voice, this is all she said. Oh, I do love Jesus with all my heart. That simple statement melted the hearts of all who heard it, and revival was born because of that statement. And it's because people were praying God used the simplest thing to instigate revival. Revival is the meeting that began a hundred years ago in the industrial part of Los Angeles. People hungered and thirsted for God on Azusa Street, and he moved. That was revival. Revival is what happened several years ago, several years later in an Oreo Seco campground when a man began shouting, I see it, I see it, and the oneness message was revealed. That is revival. Listen, friend, there's nothing greater than a revival of the oneness message. There is but one God, one God that's manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preaching to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. There's nothing greater than that knowledge, but friend, it cost some people something to get that revelation. In each of the preceding historical examples I give you about revival, you will notice it began with one or two people. These individuals afflicted their hearts and their souls before God. Throw that away. Abraham said, here am I. You see, the devil did not want me to say that. But that's why you always have a backup plan. Genesis 22 and 7, Isaac said, here am I. Genesis 31 and 11, Jacob said, here am I. Genesis 37 13, Joseph says, here am I. Exodus 3 4, Moses said, here am I. 1 Samuel 3 16, Samuel says, here am I. Isaiah 6 and 8, Isaiah said, here am I. Revival seldom starts with the masses. Doesn't happen. Just doesn't happen. It starts with an individual. I was inspired to preach this because of you. This morning, where this morning when we walked out, she just looked low for some reason. She wasn't low. She told me that God had been leading her into intercession, and I thought right then one person, one person that God leads into intercession. I know there's more here, but just the fact that you said what you did, it just impressed me. I said, you know, it, it, it's when we listen to God. It's when we listen to God and we we act on what God does. God's leading me into deeper intercession. It starts with one person being led into deeper intercession. We read of citywide revival in Samaria. But it all began with one man named Philip. And it wasn't Philip the apostle. It was Philip the table waiter. You hear me? A deacon. Poor old lowly deacons and everybody. I just told one of them this morning, I said, you know, I said, I can't depend on preachers, but I can depend on the deacons. You never know what a preacher's going to do. He's going to get some wild hair and go off Philippines and preach or something. You never know what they're going to do. <laughs> a revival of one person. One person. A revival comprised of one person running for his life. Yet while running, Philip took the time to spread the gospel. Revival begins with the individual. It only takes a match to start a fire, folks. It only takes one to begin a revival. 
In the 1800s, a man by the name of Gypsy Smith, he was such a man as I'm speaking of, he was once asked how to have revival. And he said this, he said, go home, lock yourself in your room, take a piece of chalk and draw a circle around yourself and ask God to start a great revival within that circle. When God has answered your prayer, the revival will be underway. And that's the truth. So I challenge every one of you, go home, lock yourself in your room, draw a circle around yourself and say, God, start a revival in this circle. Now, you may not literally be able to do that, but you understand the meaning of it. I want you listen to this paradox. I can pray for you, but I cannot pray for you. Only you can achieve a breakthrough with God. Only you. Only you can continue praying until revival comes. Only you. You know the results. The Samaritans believed. They confessed. They were baptized in Jesus' name. They saw miracles. They saw devils cast out. They had tremendous healings. Then Peter and John came and finished the message, laying hands on them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And by this time, the one who had started it was elsewhere. Philip was in a desert witnessing to an Ethiopian eunuch. How long had the revival hold up in Jerusalem? At least five to ten years. Jesus had given the marching orders. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. It was Philip who pushed the gospel forward. It was he that pushed it forward. The deacon that decided he wanted to take it just one step further. One person was used by God to get the early church back on track. Sometimes that's, that's, that's what we do. We just we stand in one place, and sometimes it has to be one person that makes a difference. You know what, push and we shove. And I'm going to say this right now. This is a public service announcement so you can get us Thursday. If any men are available to come help me uh, put up some drywall because you don't want me doing it by myself, that's for sure. I know a lot of you work, but if you're not working on Thursday, we're going to go up to the place in Gosport, and I'm going to help Steve, and Isaac's going to help, so there will be help there. So you're going to have to worry about being crosswise or, uh, you know, how badly if you've ever worked with me, I can draw a line, and I can, uh, that line will always be crooked. I'm just crooked. I can't help it. I'm just in that way. And, and so if you're there, we're going to try to get this thing going. Why? Because we want revival in Gosport. We're going to do this thing. We're going to push this thing. Why we're going to do it? Because that's the right way to do it. Are you hearing me? That's the right way to do it. So Thursday at 10 o'clock, be here at the church. Isaac's going to buy everybody's breakfast, and so just come for a free breakfast. What do we want to see in Spencer and in Gosport? What do we want to see? Do we want to see our children saved? Question. Do we want to see people saved in our cities? Question. Do we want to see our family one? Question. Do we want to see God move miraculously, miraculously in our midst? Question. It will begin with one person. One person who makes a decision. I want to see revival. It may cost me a little bit, a little bit of sleep, a little bit of back-breaking work, if you would. But I want to see it happen. One person can spark a revival that will absolutely will not stop. I don't know if any of you have ever read some of Moody's stuff, but some of it's pretty interesting. Uh, there was a story about him in London, and his message has started a revival that spread through the British Isles. His first message, although the, the church that he preached here, the church was cold, it was dry, it was unresponsive. 
And Moody dreaded returning for the evening service because of that. But when he got back that night, the place was packed and it was electrified. What had happened? What happened between Sunday morning and Sunday night that caused that church to make a complete turnaround? Moody wanted to know what happened. And he discovered that within the church was an elderly woman who looked after her invalid sister. And when the woman returned home from church that morning, the shut-in sister wanted to know about the service. And she repeated the essence of what Moody preached. Her invalid sister said, put the lunch away. We must pray and fast for the service this evening. God is about to do something. The last time any one of us has ever just fasted a lunch on Sunday for that evening service. When's the last time? As a result of an invalid woman, her elderly sister, they had a service that night that couldn't be matched and it There was a revival that sprang from that service that didn't stop. It did not stop. Two old ladies, one bedridden, said we don't need more programs, activities, or organization. What we need is the power of God resting on that house. Let's turn away from the table. Let's pay the price in prayer. Teens brought to life life-changing experiences. I need revival. Thieves made honest, I need revival. Marriage is restored, I need revival. Liars become truthful, I need revival. Prostitutes made pure, I need revival. Drug addicts healed, I need revival. Alcoholics cured, I need revival. Fathers returning home and being the men they need to be, I need revival. Mothers rising up and becoming prayer warriors, I need revival. Young adults finding their place in God, I need revival. Adults getting connected with what God is doing. I need revival. Walking out of this service tonight knowing what I preached. I need revival. Only one. Only one person. But one has power. Philip didn't wait for someone to tell him what to do. He was full of the Holy Ghost faith and a good report. And that was why he was out waiting on tables. Because of that. He didn't wait for someone to place a badge on him and deputize him. You hearing me? I'm not against giving accolades. I'm not against that. But sometimes the only way you get someone to do something is take them up before everybody, put them up here on the platform, pin a badge on him. I'll deputize you, set a cowboy hat on him, go out and win souls. Or give him a rope, sing rope a few of them. You know, it's not about that. Philip didn't need that. He'd become a posse of one person. One person. He allowed God to lead him to need, and he magnified his faith in God to fill it. He allowed God to do this, to lead him to a need. Then he magnified his faith, and he filled that need. It's magnification of faith to, to, to tap into that great grace that I was speaking of this morning. He became the revival to Samaria. Peter and John went to the temple and they told the layman, look on us. We don't have silver and gold, but we do have your answer. We are God's revival that's sent to you. 
God's revival that is sent to you. I, I didn't come to give you an inspirational speech tonight. I didn't come to make you leave feeling better. I didn't come to, to, to see revival break out on this entire crowd. I, I know better than that. And I'm not trying to make you feel good. I hope that I stir you up this evening. I hope I challenge you this evening. I came to see revival get a hold of you. Just one of you. Just one. And to get a hold of that fact that you're the revival to your world. Quit praying for revival. Be revived. Just simply be revived. Quit saying, God, send someone else. You go. You go. We have the Moses mindset. Lord, here am I. Send my brother Aaron. Exactly what we did. Lord, here am I to send somebody else. Oh, well, you, you, no, no, you, you don't understand, Brother Robertson. I, yeah, here am I. I'm wanting to do this, not that. Don't send me out there amongst the unwashed masses of people with your filthy cigarette smoking ways, their crack pipes, unwashed bodies. I, a child of God, cannot be placed in such a ridiculous situation. I am pure of heart, pure of body, pure of mind. You're pure bull, too. Lord, here am I. Send my brother Aaron. You ask, why doesn't someone do something about this? Maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe you're the someone. You are the revival. God is calling you today. He's calling you to step forward and say, I am the revival. I am. Follow me closely. I-I-I-T-B-I-I-U-T-M. You got that? Don't forget it. Put it on your cell phone. It is the acronym standing for the ten most powerful words in the English language. Each is comprised of a single syllable. Are you ready? I'm going to say it again. I-I-I-T-B-I-I-U-T-M. If it is to be, it is up to me. If it is to be, it is up to me. To be an authentic apostolic means more than to engage in Pentecostal worship within the church. It means to step out into this world and be the revival that God wants you to be. You are the emissary of Jesus Christ. You are his ambassador. I want you to to loose, loose those in bondage. Do you realize what you once were before God did something in your life? Do you realize what you once were before somebody came to your life and in your home and began to teach you? and tell you about the goodness of God? Do you remember what you were? When is the last time or have you ever returned the favor? Lose those that are in bondage. You're an emissary. Pray for those that are in captivity. Heal the sick. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, when you make a decision, the universe conspires to make it happen. And the devil tries his best to stop it. 
But what's going, to, what, what's, what's going to help here? The universe that God has created is going to conspire to help it or make it happen. The devil can't stop it. He can't stop it. He can make you think that everything's going to fall apart, but it won't. I am the revival. I am the revival. I want you to stand with me. I read somewhere the other day that <clears throat> this statement... And the statement goes like this. If I were the devil, I'd get everyone to pray for revival. So they'd be too distracted to make any disciples. God is looking for a vessel through which he can pour out his spirit on an entire city. I'm going to ask you, are you that person? Are you that person? I want you to shut your eyes with me for just a moment. And once again, I want you to shout with me, I am the revival. You ready? I am the revival. Now, as the music begins to play, I want people who are truly serious about what you said to come down here to this altar. If you're serious, don't you come unless you're serious. I am the revival. Don't get down. Don't kneel. Just, just stand. Just stand. Just stand. I am the revival. I am the revival. Now, I want the preachers behind me, I want you to go to every one of these people. Don't have to pray any length of time. I just want you to loose them. That's all. Just loose them. Loose them. You're going to feel what you need to loose them from. Any other my, any of my prophets in the back, I want you to come forward. You know, I, I want you to come. I want you to work from the back, and I want you to loose these people. I want you to loose these people. I want you to loose them.